field crest towards Clanton. Um, turn around. I was driving down Clanton and turn around and see if I can find him again. This is at Glover, subject to 1074, electronic ID aware. NCJA 1014. NCJA 1014. Depending on how old you are, you can recall the years of law enforcement where the job wasn't just male-dominated, it was male-exclusive. But thinking back in 1972, Congress passed an amendment to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibiting state and local agencies from job discrimination based on gender. Law enforcement agencies were then required to hire women for jobs on an equal basis with men. And that single piece of legislation set in motion new standards for the law enforcement profession. At one point, the Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia conducted a study assigning a number of newly hired women officers to patrol work, which was traditionally reserved for male officers. And that study observed those women for one year. Some of the key findings were pretty significant. Women patrol officers tended to be more effective in their male counterparts in avoiding violence and diffusing potentially violent situations. And citizens involved in incidents with officers had equal levels of respect for and favorable attitudes toward patrol officers of both sexes. Bottom line, women were making a positive impact in a male-dominated profession. Women also began to change the landscape within agency administrative ranks. In North Carolina alone, we have witnessed the first female sheriff, chief deputies, a lieutenant colonel within the highway patrol, and chiefs of police. These accomplishments don't occur without a degree of challenge, and that's part of the focus of this episode of NCJA 1014 as we examine women in law enforcement. Hello, everyone. I'm your podcast host, Kirk Puckett. We have assembled a panel of ladies from across the great state of North Carolina, and they will help us better understand not only the role of women in law enforcement today, but the impact they bring to the job as well as how the job impacts them. Our panelists for this episode are Chief Gina Hawkins of the Fayetteville Police Department, First Sergeant Charlene Cotton with the North Carolina State Highway Patrol, and two members of the Hendersonville, North Carolina Police Department, Officer Michelle Hoyle and School Resource Officer Jerika Denall. When the subject of this podcast was being developed, we realized it was more than one man could handle. That said, I have enlisted the assistance of Amber Burgess Cox. Amber is a former full-time law enforcement officer who has brought her experience to the North Carolina Justice Academy as an instructor and course developer. Amber is based on the West Campus in Edneyville. So, in the age-old tradition of ladies first, Amber, would you get us started with our first question? Certainly, Kirk. First question for Chief Hawkins. How do you balance career demands versus your family demands? Hello, and thank you for having me. Well, that that question has come up actually when I was really studying in my master's and really balancing and first being honest with myself. What I've resolved is the moment I start just being me at whatever stage in my profession, my family is always going to be there. But being me is tied to my purpose and why I do whatever it is I do in my profession. So 
what I started really doing uh, midway through my career is sharing with my family the importance of my work and when I have to be away. But I also knew the important moments, whether it be a sporting event, a graduation, a recital, or anything that a birthday that was crucial for them, I was there and worked around everything. So the balance for me is really, I, I truly love my job. I, I love my, what I do because I connect it to my purpose and my family know um, as long as um, I'm focused on my purpose, it extends out to them. So it impacts them as well. So in, in the question of balance, I have to be intentional with it. I have to prioritize it and I have to say, okay, what time am I dedicating to solely them so that they know that they are definitely number one priority for me, but also um, be able to get my job done, which may require me to work in different hours, then um, there's not, of course, in my position, there's no nine to five, but getting the job done. So if there's a balance, I'm not sure if that's an actual true way, but I think it, for me, it comes with, it's connected to my purpose. So everything I do, I think is balanced. (laughs) So that's my answer. Great answer. Trooper Cotton, do you have anything to add to that? Good morning. Good morning. Coming uh, coming from Lillington, North Carolina. I hope everybody's well this morning and thanks for having me. It's an honor to be with you and, and discuss the issues that, that law enforcement is having today and particularly women in law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement, I'd say, going on um, with my military career, going on 27 years. So this is something I've had to deal with over time. Being married to another individual who is, law, he, who is in law enforcement, this has been a double obstacle for us. Um, and I think that's something that with us, both of us being in law enforcement, we have an understanding between us and, and our extended families understand the um, obstacles and the pressures that are put on us. Um, I can't even really explain how many holidays, how many birthdays, how many celebrations that we have missed. However, both of our, our side of the families have done their best to work around us. So I think even think about it, we've had to balance it, but they've had to balance it for us and they've had to understand. So my extended family tries to work around our schedule and um, and we just understand, like the chief said, our daily routines are not nine to five. I work a lot of weekends. Nice to know that the family's there to support us and that also that I have a husband that has supported me through the years as well. Understood. Um, Officer Hole or... SRO Denal, do you have anything to add? Yes, this is Officer Denal. And I'll just piggyback on what everyone else said. You know, family is everything. And the thing about me, um, they're very supportive on, on what I do. Um, they have a clear understanding and they knew that before I became a law enforcement officer. And it's for me, what I do, I plan ahead. If I know that I need to do something with the family, you know, it don't always work out. But for most cases, it, 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 it helps just being able to plan ahead. I want to interject too, Kirk. Trooper Cotton hit it on the head, that extended family helping, because there's been times when I was in graduate school or working that I had to have my mother-in-law pitch in or an uncle or an aunt or my own mother help with child care and shuttling to places. So that extended family support is crucial. So let's move on to our next question. Did you ever think your physical abilities were a hindrance or an asset at work? Uh, Trooper Cotton, you're up first. 
All right, ma'am. Um, actually, um, I've never really thought my my physical abilities would hinder me or um, or assist me. I think actually my mental abilities help me in the long run. I've always said that that our our mouths can get us into a lot of trouble, but it can get us out of a lot of trouble as well. Through my years, I've trained alongside of men and women, particularly in patrol school for 29 weeks. I'd have to say that some of the physical standards that for the women in law enforcement are set at a, at a different level than the men. However, um, it's no different than different ages of men and women. The standards are set at a different level. So, for example, a 34-year-old man or woman, their requirements are going to be slightly different than that of a 25- or 24-year-old man or woman. So um, everyone's different level. It has different levels of ability. I do believe that what um, what I expected from myself and what I think the instructors and even the public and, and our coworkers expect from us is they just don't want to see you give up and they don't want, want to see you not improve. I know I always wanted to improve um, and, and just have the will to and determination to see see something to the end um, and, and just be a good teammate. I, I still even think today it's, it's being in law enforcement as long as I've been that I still strive to, to better myself and to be physically fit um, mentally and physically. But I do believe, I, I think the gentleman um, in the beginning stated it, you know, hit the nail on the head when he talked about how women can diffuse situations a lot better than maybe our, our male counterpart. Um, I've seen it daily. I work with, I work with. Um, there's not a lot of women in law enforcement, but here where I work in Harnett County, I have two other troopers that work with me. So there's three females in this county in a district of 15. So that, that's a high percentage when you're only talking about 48, I think, is the total throughout the whole state of women on the highway patrol. So we've got a, a quite a good percentage here in one county. I see it on a daily basis. The ladies here, they um they can get uh, situations diffused. They can they can get information from individuals. If they talk, they seem to talk a lot better and easier and and um with the public and and with individuals that we come in contact to on a daily basis. I do believe that um physical aspect of what we do um health wise is good, but I think being strong mentally is also very important. And I think it might be even more important. Agreed. Officer Hull, you got anything to add? I wouldn't say necessarily a hindrance or an asset, but I feel like there's a there's pressure to prove yourself more than the male counterparts. So, Officer Hoyle, as long as, as long as I've got you on that question and something that kind of weaves into it, do you feel pressure to achieve more than your male counterparts? I do. I feel like we have to prove ourselves just a little bit more because people don't people don't think we can do it until they see us do it. Jerika, how about a response from you on that one? Yes, I agree. We always have to, as women in law enforcement, we have to prove our prove ourselves to um, the male officers. and But I think as women, we always just have to give 110%. But, but, and honestly, we're just in competition with ourselves. You know, as long as we're putting as much effort as we can put in, then I think that we're doing just great. Chief Hawkins, having attained the rank of the head of a large metropolitan law enforcement agency in North Carolina, I know this one probably rings a bell or two with you along your career. So um, early on, not just in law enforcement, early on on being a female, it was always the issue of the differences of male and female. But acknowledging that the differences exist and in regards to you're going to be treated differently, in regards to they're going to expect maybe something different from you and not give you opportunities 
gave me the opportunity to acknowledge it's just an existing fact right now that you may not be given an opportunity because of your gender. With that existing fact, what that made me do is be my own best competitor. As someone just said earlier, I'm competing against myself. I'm not competing against anyone else because what I've what I've learned is sometimes males are lazy to a certain extent. So me um, trying to work twice as hard just to be acknowledged as you're just okay or you're just average is to my advantage because essentially when I'm working harder, when I'm learning more, when I'm studying more, when I'm preparing just to expect to be treated as okay, that equips me to have more knowledge, that equips me to be more prepared, that equips me for when the opportunity steps up, I'm prepared with the knowledge, experience, and anything else I need um, in order to continue to every day compete against myself. So my my pressures are the pressures I put on myself to say, you know what, I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. And what have I done? What else can I do in order to improve this profession? So um, yeah, I think it's it's worked to kind of an advantage uh, to, to know that that you are going to continue because I think we're, we still got a ways to go. But my first evaluation, six months in, my sergeant, I can remember him to this day with a cigar in his mouth, side by side in a car, telling me directly, I don't think females should be officers, period. So, you know, that's what I had to deal with. And, and me acknowledging in my own mind, of, OK, well, appreciate that verbal um, statement, but it didn't, it didn't impact me because I knew in my mind what I could do. Well, and I don't want to throw my gender under the bus, but when you mentioned the lazy males, I was thinking about some that I've worked with over the years who have worked really hard to get out of work. So I, I certainly do agree with you on that. And finally, on this question, Trooper Cotton, what, what can you add? I don't really feel I've, I've had a lot of pressure from my counterparts per se. Maybe not maybe not to my face or or um, made me feel like that I didn't belong or, or that I had to prove something. But like the chief said and the other lady said, to prove to myself that I could do it. Um, it, I put more pressure on me than anybody else. Um, I think the first day um, after patrol school when I showed up to my district, I had the pressure of um, an elephant on my shoulders, but it wasn't that any pressure that, that my coworkers put on me or my family put on me. It was a pressure of, uh, put on myself to succeed, um, to learn more, to do more, to, um, to go out there and be part of the team, um, be part of the community, be an asset, um, and it strived, to be, it strived to be the best trooper that I could be. And, and um, I, I think um, if you're in law enforcement, and whether you're male or female, you've got a lot of pressures put on you to be part of the community, do well, keep learning, um, and keep the community safe. So um, I agree with what the other lady said, that um, the pressures were mainly put on myself. And um, I think that that's a good thing because um, it keeps us striving to become better officers and, and better people in the community. Officer Donal, we're going to throw this next question your way. And it's in that same vein of achieving more than your male counterparts. But my question is, have you ever felt undervalued by men you have encountered professionally? No, I wouldn't say undervalued. Undervalued. Um, I think, I mean, I've, it's been situations where, you know, I was told that, um, I don't think that this job is a good fit for you. I've also been told you don't look comfortable when you're shooting, but you know, it, it's not, I, I take that as like, okay, I'm going to show you that I can do it. So, and, and that's, like I said, like I'm in competition with myself. I'm every day. I'm just striving to do better, but even if I'm ever put on the spot, I'm able to 
not prove to others, but also to prove to myself that I can do this because I know that this is a calling and I was called to do this job. So I will never allow someone to tell me that I can't do something because I can't. And all women can, you know, um, I know it's not a, a profession for everyone, but, you know, it's a calling. Chief Hawkins, you touched on it a little bit with that cigar smoking evaluating sergeant that you were in the car with. So I know you must have a story. Oh, I was about to say, let, let me start off by saying this. I love my brothers. There have been many that have been literally my brothers. I've had many mentors that pulled me along the way, guided me, directed me. So this is not a, a blanket statement. When I say statements about males, it is totally not blanket. But in the regards to undervalued, absolutely <laughs> many different that many different aspects to the degree um of I had to many times speak up and advocate for myself, which made it very uncomfortable for myself because I knew that that would mean that people would ostracize me. People would say, oh, you know, that's not what's happening. When in reality, I knew this exactly what was happening if I was being treated differently than my male counterparts. If I was producing more work, if I was working twice, twice as hard and I was not given those opportunities. So, yes, it happens. It happens. It happened, you know, under the covert of no, this is don't worry about it. So that's why the importance of like where I am in my position, I make processes as fair as possible and different to gender, race, or whatever, so that people are giving opportunities based off of what their work shows. So there are many, many, many times where I have felt definitely like I would say something in a meeting and it would say it three times. And when the male would say it, oh, they finally heard it. So there are many times you definitely, ha I definitely had to advocate and remind people, stand by, you know, I already said that, or you're being dismissive about this recommendation. And um, so it, you just def definitely uh, has occurred. <laughs> it has occurred, uh, but I, I have not let it um I guess, pushed me down too far. I just had to re-energize and remind them and ha use my voice and empower myself to speak up, not just for me, when I've seen it done to others as well. Well, Trooper Cotton, I remember the days of my law enforcement career when the North Carolina Highway Patrol was always referred to as patrol men. And of course, there have been lots of ladies who were trailblazers before you went to patrol school. But what about your experiences with your, I guess you would say, undervaluation that you may have encountered professionally in your law enforcement career and maybe including the military as well? Yes, you're right. Um, well, the first woman on the Highway Patrol didn't come on until 1988. So that was a year after I graduated high school. So that, that may seem like a long time but ago, but it's, that's not very long ago. Um, of course, we've had... Um, the first major on the highway patrol, Jennifer Harris, she retired, uh, I'd say, four or five years ago. And now we actually do have a third in command, um, Lieutenant Colonel Donna Carter, um, who is um, who actually, I mean, Lieutenant Colonel, third in command on the highway patrol. That's that's um, that's a trailblazer right there, if I've ever heard of one. So um, the, I think the highway patrol has come leaps and bounds. Um, I do believe that um, I, I feel like that that we're accepted. We go through the same training. Um, I'm sure in in areas that maybe I don't see or haven't heard. I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to fool myself to think that there's not talk or or that you know women can't do this or we can't do that. But um, I'm telling you, um, Highway Patrol, I really feel accepted. I don't think we stand for anything less. Years ago, yes, sir. I'm sure it did happen, but now. Um, 
I think that women in law enforcement are needed. I mean, there's a place for us. We've proven that we we can um, we can work alongside of the men. I think it's good to see women out in the public, um, even in the military. I, that was the best the best career decision I ever made was joining the military for four years. And not only could I see the world, which is not why I went in, it was to get the experience, but um, it was a big melting pot. You know, I've never been away from home. Um, I was able to get um, work alongside of a lot of amazing people that served this country. And um, it kind of set my path. It did set my path for a career in law enforcement. I think it's a, a really good career that, that, you know, us women, women and men, I mean, this is a, it's, it's a, a career that you're you're called to serve. It's not something you just wake up for and say, well, I'm going to be in law enforcement. You know, I'm going to make a 30-year career out of law enforcement. That's not something that you just wake up wanting to do. Finally, I'd like to hear from Officer Hoyle. Seems to be the most soft-spoken among the group, but maybe you've had some experience as well where you may have felt undervalued by men, but if you haven't, hey, we'll take credit for that too. I wouldn't say I've been, I felt, ever felt undervalued by the people I work with. Definitely citizens that I've encountered. I've walked up with a male officer and or even, even being a field training officer, when I've been training a male officer, oftentimes men will look at my trainee instead of me, even though they don't know that my trainee's only been here, you know, a day, a week, a month. They'll look at them instead of looking to me. Um, and I guess it's just kind of a, a male perception of females in law enforcement that we're not going to be the ones taking charge. But as far as the as far as the guys that I work with, I work with a, a great group of guys and we all work really well and they know what I do well in, I know what they do well in, and we just kinda work together and kind of make each other better. Good enough. Amber, I think it's time for a question to uh, take us back in time. All right. Put your thinking caps on here, ladies. If you could go back and give your rookie self any advice, what would it be? Chief Hawkins? Start with you first. <laughs> I'm a little afraid because it might change my trajectory of where I am. But I think <laughs> the biggest thing after looking back, it took me a second to gain patience. Um, gain patience um, with getting things done, expectations of others. So I, I would tell my rookie self of appreciate uh, and get to know the people that I work with quicker, um, focus on on them to build the relationships up sooner and and learn as much as possible about them so that you can figure out strengths and weaknesses and you can share that as a team um, in this profession a lot sooner. I think as a young as a young officer, I, I felt looking at myself as a female, um, I had to hold my own work twice as hard. So I, I, I acted as if I didn't need anyone. And just just so that no one could say I'm using the issue of me being a female as as an as a, a crutch. So I didn't want to use that or have anyone say that. So that might have had me a little more distance to my peers um, and then less patience if they didn't know as much as about I, what I knew. So I think that's what I would tell myself. First, have patience and get to know your team and their strengths so that you can share your strengths or your weaknesses with each other. And that's how you become a stronger team for each other. Good advice. Trooper Cotton, what would you say to your rookie self? Piggyback a little bit on that. I've been piggybacking on Chief a little bit too much today, I guess because I'm going after her today in the questions. I think I would get to know 
not only just my coworkers, but but the the women um, within my organization a little bit better. Um, the the group's so small that sometimes I think we go out of our way to avoid each other and maybe compete a little bit more with each other because our our core is so small um, with women. So I think it, it, if I was if it was my younger self and as I started to get promoted, I would probably reach out to the to the new troopers that came onto the organization and um and welcome them, give them advice, kind of lead them and give them some experiences, some stories of my past experiences to maybe help them along the way. Um I think that would probably be what I would do, something that I regret not getting to know and and go and go out of my way to kind of make the new new troopers and even even uh, women um in other organizations um new officers and, and new deputies, just reach out to them and talk to them a little bit about what to expect in 23 years of law enforcement career. I understand that. Uh, Michelle, uh, got anything to add about what you would go back to your rookie self and say? I'd say just have confidence. Um, I found a lot of times that I was doubting myself just because I was a new person and a female when we went back and looked and I was actually was actually right. But I didn't have that confidence in myself because, hey, I was new. I'm a female. When I joined the department, we only had one other female. So it was kind of like I put myself in a different category than everyone else when I should have just gone with it and be confident and just been myself. Great answer. Jerika, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, so I would tell my rookie self to take care of take care of myself, and by me taking care of myself, I'll be able to help others. And not uh, others is women in law enforcement. It's a small, it's a very small number of women in law enforcement. And I think that sometimes being a woman in law enforcement, you feel like you're alone in certain situations. You know, like we don't have that many women officers. I think it's like five or six, but. Um, support each other, you know, reach out to other departments and just, you know, see if you guys can have conversations or just build relationships with other police officers because, you know, the same thing that that I'm maybe going through in law enforcement, I know there's someone out there going through the same thing and we just have to lift each other up and, and just, you know, just support each other, build relationships. Well, we took you back. So now I'd like to take you toward the future. And Trooper Cotton, I'd like to begin with you and asking this final question. Where do you see yourself in the future of your law enforcement career? Well, um, I'll be happy to say that um, my, actually my career is coming to an end. So um, I'm, I'm looking to hopefully retire in um, April of next year. So I've got a little bit more than nine months left on the patrol, which has been a great, great, great career for me. Uh, if I if I did have a few years more left, I would probably probably try to to continue to be promoted and and maybe become a troop lieutenant or 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 a captain on the highway patrol. Um, but I think becoming a, a district first sergeant here in Harnett, Harnett County is um it, I I really couldn't ask for anything anything more. I don't have any regrets, and I'm very happy with the path I've taken. I do. If I could give any advice for the for the other two officers that are on that that may I'm not sure how long how many years they've got on, but if if I want to give them some advice that I was given when I first came on, never ever ever turn down any opportunities for training or for specialized positions or experience because um, anytime you get an opportunity, take it. Don't turn it down. Don't regret it. Don't look down. Don't look down ten years down the road and say. Well, I should have did this. I should have did that. I always take chances 
and uh, take opportunities when they're being, being given to you. That is tremendous advice. And I think that's something that a lot of young officers miss out on. Is they kind of get tunnel vision and, and this is the path that I want to take. But what they don't realize is that maybe kind of getting a little wide in the turns and, and going down another path brings experience that yeah. may pay off later in their career. So that's that's great advice. Michelle Hoyle, how about you? What would your future look like at the Hendersonville Police Department or maybe someplace else? Well, hopefully within the next couple of days here, um, by Friday, I find out if I get promoted to sergeant or not. So that's something that I'm I'm really hopeful and excited for if it does happen. If not, I'm just going to go out there and try to make myself a better all-around officer. Um, we've got a, quite a few new young females. So just try to try to mentor them and help them through. Um, hopefully they can learn from my mistakes and my past experiences and just try to try to better them and help them out. Great advice as well. And finally, uh, Officer Denal, how about you? So for me, I would love to be chief of police one day. I think I, I was definitely born a leader. I have a long way to go, um, but that's what my future looks like. Well, I will direct this question to our last panelist. And ironically enough, she is a chief of police, so she may have some advice for you as well. Chief Hawkins, uh, being, again, the head of a law enforcement agency, maybe your future is a little bit more defined. But go ahead and take a shot at that question. What do you see in your future? So um, definitely the advice that everyone's given is important. Most important, though, figure out what you're what you your purpose is because my future and and I still think there's a lot to come in in this profession and however that looks like I think this profession we're evolving in the importance of experience and importance of sharing on um, topics like um, standardizing national policies for this profession Um, making sure we evolve into making sure officer wellness health and wellness is a priority in order to sustain this profession so my future I can see will continue to be an advocate nationally or worldwide regarding the topics that make us better to continue to encourage the spectrum, bringing about the 30 by 30 um, uh, mission, which is 30% 30 of your agency should be women by the year of 2030. So although I may not be the chief forever, um, I won't, (laughs) but but staying on my purpose, because, you know, the idea is it's hard for me to envision something that looks like a retirement where I'm sitting doing nothing when I'm supposed to be here because my faith is strong. I'm supposed to be here doing everything possible with the gifts that has been provided me with the opportunities that's been provided for me to work, to continue to help others so that they can take on this baton and keep on carrying it for us in this profession. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know it's going to be on mission still continuously. Well said. Thank you, Chief. Well, ladies, I wish we were in a coffee shop or hanging around the Justice Academy after a class because I would love to continue this discussion. Unfortunately, time has ticked away and we have to bring this podcast episode to a close. Ladies, again, thank you so much for your insight as well as your very candid responses to our questions. Today's panel discussion on women in law enforcement has featured Chief Gina Hawkins of the Fayetteville Police Department, First Sergeant Charlene Cotton of the North Carolina State Highway Patrol, and two members of the 
Hendersonville Police Department, Officer Michelle Hoyle, and School Resource Officer Jerika Denault. Thanks as well to my co-host, Amber Burgess-Cox, who, without a lot of notice, stepped right up to the microphone and did a great job. And of course, the entire podcast would not be possible without the highly skilled technical wizardry of producer-director Ramona Higgins. And until our next podcast hits the airwaves of the World Wide Web, right here on the North Carolina Justice Academy website, please stay safe. The next time you're on one of our campuses, please stop by the North Carolina Justice Academy bookstore. There you can find books, t-shirts, collectible coins, and much more.